Go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds on politics, offering insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Join me, Tyler Foggett, for conversations with the most knowledgeable minds from The New Yorker that will dive deep on the most interesting political story of the week. Then, Susan Glasser, Jane Mayer, and Evan Osnos gather to hash out what's happening in Washington, D.C., with an insider's understanding of the high stakes at this perilous moment for American democracy. Plus, our editor David Remnick will provide you with insightful storytelling with a mix of interviews and profiles. That's all happening on the political scene. Make sure you're following it now, wherever you get your podcasts. The presenting sponsor of Majority 54 is... SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing. I could actually vouch for this, having just purchased John Mulaney tickets recently. That was a very good show. Hilarious. So I went online as soon as I saw that he was coming to Kansas City, and there were so many websites, and I wasn't sure whether any of them were real. And honestly, when I bought the tickets, I didn't know if they were fake. She did not share this with me when we were online. (laughs) I just had my fingers crossed inside my jacket being like, please don't get kicked out. Uh, But they worked. But I was so stressed about it. And now that I've used SeatGeek to buy our Monster Truck Rally tickets, I am so like relieved about having the tickets be guaranteed and how easy it was to pick out the seat and the price. I'm going to use it for everything that we go to from now on. It is the easiest way that I found to shop for tickets from anywhere. You just tap a few times and you have tickets. It's amazing. That does seem better. It's so much easier. And best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase, whether it is to a monster truck rally, a comedy show, a bake-off, Bake Off. I don't sound very hip when I'm listing off all the things they can visit. Particularly with Bake Off. I mean, maybe they want to go to a concert, some kind of... We're very boring. We don't go to a lot of musical stuff. We're we're not boring. I mean, we went to an acapella. We're really big into acapella. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you don't have to take advice from us on what you should go to, but you should know that SeatGeek is the easiest way to get tickets to it. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code MAJORITY54 today. That's promo code MAJORITY54 for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. We saw Hamilton in Chicago. That okay, seems kind of hip. that was hip. really cool. That yeah. was hip. That was awesome. I'm Jason Kander, and this is Majority 54, the show that gives you the stories and ideas that you need to talk politics with your red state neighbors, or if you're a former red stater, your friends from back home. And the thing is that on, on my border, my world, okay, which is very sparsely populated, mm-hmm. so it's a great place to have a conflict because there's very few of us here that are affected by it directly. And the rest of the nation can all feel great that they're spending all this money to do all these things in some place where there ain't no one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and as a result, the rest of the nation may not get to know that it ain't working. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like, like, like the wall. That's Tony Sedgwick. It's hard to think of a more polarizing issue than the wall Trump wants to build on our southern border. The conversation you're about to hear was recorded in a wooden barn on Tony's ranch in Nogales, Arizona. Majority 54 shares with you the perspectives of the 54% of us who didn't vote for Trump, and that includes Republicans. Tony is a Republican who didn't vote for Donald Trump. In fact, Trump drove Tony all the way out of the party. He's a small-town lawyer turned full-time Arizona rancher, working the land that's been in his family for generations. 
And if President Trump is going to build his wall, he'll have to build part of it on Tony's ranch, which won't be the first time that the federal government has been in a fight with Tony Sedgwick. But as you'll hear, Tony's objection isn't just about keeping the government off his property. As an independent-minded conservative Westerner, he fundamentally disagrees with the president's wall. In fact, he calls it a bunch of hooey. I drove down to Tony's 3,600-acre ranch, where his nearest neighbors live in Mexico, to record what turned out to be an incredible conversation with an absolutely brilliant guy. Here's me and Tony in his barn. How far are we from Sierra Vista? From Sierra Vista? Yeah. About 70 miles. Okay. I did intelligence school at Huachuca. Oh, did you? So, yeah, okay. we were driving this, and it looked familiar. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a very similar country. Yeah. Next, next range over is the Patagonias, uh, and then you have the the Huachucas, the, the uh-huh. which is where you were at. Right. Uh, so it's it's not far. It, lo- it looks just like this area. Yeah, I was looking around as we were driving in, and it looks a lot like the mountains that I used to have to run in at zero five thirty in the morning. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, that's familiar. Yeah. So um, you yeah. uh, voted Republican all the way up until this last election, right? That that's correct. That's correct. A registered Republican, uh, what I consider a, a Western style Republican. Uh-huh. Uh, big difference between a. Uh, a Western Republican and a Democrat is that a Republican doesn't believe government can do anything very well. Right. Haven't got a driver's license and, you know, yeah. hassled with that. We, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I think that, that small government, that people should be able to take care of themselves. If you sure. will, that's a kind of a, a legacy of, of my part of the world. So you remain a registered Republican? No, I, uh, I didn't. My, my form of protest uh, in the— uh, it's last spring, uh, in, the, in advance of the elections, I, I, I felt that my party uh, had gone in a direction that I didn't understand. Uh, you know, uh, a reality TV star and a, and a, and a Christian uh, fundamentalist. Uh, I got nothing against fundamentalism, but I, I feel that, that uh, my party was a party of inclusion. It was a party of uh, ideas and thoughts, and I, I didn't feel that these two men uh, reflected that. And my way of... of uh, uh, making you know, it's a small, small gesture. Uh, the party decreases by one person, but if people of conscience uh, do their actions, voting is just one vote. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of the similar thing for me was to. I didn't become a Democrat. I, I just uh, registered as an independent. And it's not like you were just a person just voting Republican. You you ran for office as a Republican. At that, one that's point. correct. That's correct. I've, I've been uh, since the first time I registered. Uh, I've been uh, a Republican. I've been active in uh, in in local. Politics. I, I ran for county supervisor as as a Republican, mm-hmm. uh, which is not not it's uphill battle in an area that's about ninety percent Democrat. And is that this area, or was that you were living somewhere else? At no, the time? I was living here. The, mm-hmm. the, this area, uh, uh, Santa Cruz County, uh, is this county. Uh, mm-hmm. The town is Nogales. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a small Nogales, which is Nogales, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And there's a large Nogales, which is Nogales, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, this county is about 50,000 people. Nogales, Mexico is about 450,000 people. Hmm. Uh, and it's about, we're probably about 90% uh, Mexican-Americans, the folks living. And in the town, it's about 95, 96%. And uh, your, your family, going back over several years, has had um, a, a relationship with the government regarding border security that uh, started out as what, cooperative and now is, I guess, uh, not that amicable at all. It's hostile, right? Well, you know, uh, we, we've always, uh, uh, you know, been been friendly with uh, with the with the folks here, the border patrol folks. So they they 
uh, immigration. I used to train their dogs here. Uh, and when you say here, you mean here on the here, ranch? Here on the ranch, yeah. We always felt we, we give uh, the, uh, the Border Patrol fellows the access to our ranch. They have keys to our, mm-hmm. to our property. Uh, so we've always, uh, you know, collaborated with them. What happened uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the last uh, uh, 10 years, really, uh, uh, with the creation of Homeland Security and the elevation of that, uh, that cabinet-level uh, department to, to an, its enormous size, as uh, the decisions started being taken uh, in other parts of the country, in Laguna Niguel, which is some town in California, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and they no longer had any interest or concern for the, the views, the outlaws, outlooks, uh, and, and the personal property rights of, uh, of us folks down here on the border. So tell me about what happened specifically with your family and that relationship kind of devolving. Sure thing. Uh, probably uh, six years back, uh, Homeland Security came to us and said that they'd like to have uh, a tower uh, that be, our, our properties uh, overlook uh, the, the border, and they'd like to have a tower up there where they could keep track of, of what was going on on the border. And... Uh, and we'd always allowed them to have a, a, a portable uh, tower there. Uh, but uh, this is a beautiful country. And, and one of the things that, uh, that is a great benefit for, for those of us that, that live out here is, is the possibility to be in a place where there's no one, uh, where you, mm-hmm. you can hear every sound because of the silence and the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wasn't too, uh, too happy about the idea of Homeland Security uh, building a, a, a fixed uh, tower facility. Uh, they... they uh, they have a number of, of, uh, of, of antennae and other equipment on it uh, that, that can be uh, very disruptive to the areas around you. Uh, visibly, the, 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 these Krieg lights, these big old lights that, that shine down, mm. turn uh, uh, day-night into daytime. Yeah, and in the desert, because like, we were talking about, I, I did military intelligence school not that far from here. Like In the desert at night, like if there's a big light like that, it's not like you then go over the hill and you don't see it. Like it lights everything up for a long well, way. And and uh, the 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 location, of course, was the highest possible location. So there is no hill to go behind. Right, that makes sense. It was for you, observation. You can see right? it from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, the the United States government and local governments have have uh, police powers, and they have a right to make decisions. And and just mm-hmm. because I don't happen to agree with them, happen to think that they're kind of foolish, uh, doesn't mean they don't have the right to do that. And, 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 I, and I understood that. And, and so, uh, you know, I said to them, look, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can resolve this matter. I, I, I don't want you here, but, you know, if you guys need to be here and you've made those decisions in, in Washington, D.C. or wherever you made them, I understand. Well, let me stop you for a second. I want to make sure I understand. It's not like they came to you. I mean, initially, maybe they asked permission, but you, you're saying that from the beginning, you understood that ultimately, no matter what you said, if they wanted it there, it was going to go there. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. I, I, I was fully aware of that. Okay. I just want to make sure people listen and know that, like, oh, okay. That's this yeah. wasn't a negotiation from the start necessarily. They're like, this no, is sir. happening. That's that. That's that's correct. On that's your correct. Land. We talked back and forth, uh, and and couldn't come to an arrangement. So then they just took the property, uh, and said, well, that's worth five hundred dollars. Uh, so they deposited uh, $500 in, in federal court in Tucson, which is the procedure that's followed. Mm-hmm. The government says, we're taking this land, and from the moment that they deposit the money in court, it's theirs. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, you have a right to, to argue about what's reasonable and fair compensation. 
Uh, and there's a whole cottage industry of lawyers nowadays, I found mm-hmm. out, that do nothing but this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after we had uh, hired uh, land use planners and hired uh, real estate uh, uh, folk and spent about three years in litigation, uh, the government then finally uh, settled with us for $180,000. So they, they paid you $500, and then when you first went into litigation, did they make a settlement offer? Uh, no, sir. No, sir. Okay. There was never, not until the, the, the very end, yeah. uh, after we were, we were in court, after dates had been set, depositions had been taken, mm-hmm. I think. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a fortunate man. I have a certain amount of economic uh, stability. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it probably cost us $25,000 in, in costs, uh-huh. not, not in lawyers, but, it, but just in costs. The costs of, of these depositions that are taken under oath, you have to pay for them, mm-hmm. and the costs of these exports that come and tell you what something is worth. Uh, and we spent probably about $25,000 on those kind of costs, which is okay for me because, as I say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm well enough to do it. This is a large ranch. We have a successful operation. But several of my neighbors in a similar situation who had property taken for, for roadways, uh, this is a poor community. We, we don't have a lot of income here. It's about 18% unemployment. Wow. Average uh, annual income in, in the town of Nogales is about, for a family of four, is about $24,000. So we're a poor community, and it's real hard for us to, to stand up for our rights. Uh, and if it wasn't for the fact that these lawyers took it on a, on a, what they call a contingent fee basis, they took a percent mm-hmm. of what they recovered on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for that, even we wouldn't have been able to, to stand up for our rights. Mm-hmm. And we would have been, uh, you know, overrun, uh, by, by this. And, and, and as it is, uh, they, they did end up paying us that handsome amount. But in addition to that, the, the U.S. Army comes and, and camps out. They bivouac on our property. Mm. Uh, they drive through the property. Uh, when I go down to check on my cattle or just to watch the sunset, uh, I am frequently uh, stopped by uh, folks from Homeland Security. This is in the U.S. In your on property. On my property uh, to be asked what is it that I'm doing there. Huh. Uh, and I, I'm, wow. a, I'm an easygoing, pleasant guy. Sure. And, and I don't get into a big hassle with them. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, they're, they're wearing uniforms and guns. Well, and, and you know and that they're ordered to be there. and That's you know, right. That's yeah. right. But it is, it is uh, it's almost like an occupation. I, I think that in the, in the Tucson sector, and the homeland security divides the border into what they call sectors. Mm-hmm. Tucson sector is about 80 miles of the uh, U.S.-Mexico border. More or less, the town of Nogales is a kind of a halfway point. So it's 40 miles uh, east and 40 miles west. In that sector... They now have a little over 8,000 uh, agents stationed there. In addition mm-hmm. to that, we have ICE, which is the immigration enforcement. We have regular old immigration. We have uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Those are the ATF mm-hmm. guys. We have the Drug Enforcement Administration guys. Uh, so this is one of the mm-hmm. most heavily policed areas in the world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that policing takes place on on private property. In this particular case, we have about uh, 600 acres on the border there. So uh, they're, they're driving across our property, uh, using our property as, as part of the defense system of the United States, uh, which, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But for, for a local fellow, that, that can be quite a difficult situation. I want to talk about the wall. Yes, sir. President Trump wants to build this wall. 
I assume that if he does if he does that, that there's going to be a whole lot of people who experience some version of what you experienced with, I mean, they got to put it somewhere. They're going to put it on private property, right? Well, and, and the first thing that you have to be aware of is that the, it's a lot of hooey, okay? There is already a wall. It's 700 miles long, mm-hmm. okay? Border's 2,000 miles. There's a 700-mile wall that's sitting there. And, and the wall that, that's there today the parts of which are, are 24 mm-hmm. feet tall, uh, there was a wall before that that mm-hmm. was built by Homeland Security out of Air Force mats. And then there was a wall after that that was built. This is the third wall that's been built in lots of parts of, of the border. So we're not talking about, you know, this new plan. Mm-hmm. We, we have a wall there, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, I'll, I'll take you down there and show it to you. Yeah. And you'll see that not only is it a matter of taking private property, it's got a, a significant cost to it and, and, a, and a dislocation for folks like myself. But also, it's a bunch of hooey. You can't build a wall on a you, – you said that you, uh, you, you trained over there at, at Fort Huachuca. Yeah. You know that terrain. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about rolling meadows and, <laughs> and, and building a wall, you know, uh, down next to an interstate highway. We're talking about mountains that, that come out of the desert floor 5,000 feet. Yeah, there's it, snow at the top of those mountains. There's snow. I, I know. I, I had a sergeant who – would wake up at 5.30 in the morning and say, we're going to run until our feet hit snow. Well, there you go. I hated there you go. that. And, 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 and you were running where you could run. But mm, if you right. actually tried to follow the border, right. you'd be going down cliffs. You'd be in, in remote, remote areas. You can be in areas where uh, Homeland Security, when they patrol some of these areas, they're on a road that's 25 miles away from the border hmm. because there's no way to get to the mm-hmm. border on the U.S. side unless you're going to do it on foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, is unlikely you're going to find a fellow that wants to, to walk. And, and, and in the wintertime, you got snow. Mm-hmm. And in the summertime, you got 110 degrees temperature. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a hard land. This is not, a, this is not you know, U.S. Uh, airport uh, coming into home customs, you know, and right. sitting in an air-conditioned room. This is hard country. That wall has, has created an industry that the uh, the law of unintended consequences, mm. uh, where before people were passing through looking for work, uh, they might stay up here for a while, they might stay up here forever. Uh, now you can't just walk across that border, mm. uh, especially because most of the folks that do cross, they're either Central Americans or they're from Southern Mexico. They're not familiar with this terrain. They're not equipped to go through this terrain. It's hard terrain. Mm-hmm. And, and so they have to hire... Uh, into this cottage industry, mm-hmm. uh, the, which in here we call the coyotes. Mm-hmm. These are the, mm-hmm. the people, the human traffickers. Mm-hmm. And if you think about uh, prohibition, something that was established by the United States by well-meaning people, mm-hmm. uh, and, and pro- the, the long-term consequences of prohibition was the, the, the mafia. Mm-hmm. The, the long-term consequences of this buildup on the border is the creation of a structure that, ma- that handles drugs, which is the real problem, and, and human beings as cargo across the border. Mm-hmm. Used to be you could cross across for nothing. And mm-hmm. I've watched the price for one person to come across go from about 700 bucks to 1500 bucks, and it's now about $3,500. Mm-hmm. And, and these folks don't have $3,500. So what they do is they strap on a backpack full of drugs and, and pay for their, their crossing by hauling these drugs. Hmm. Now, before, people would come through here. You'd see them. You'd give them a bottle of water. 
you'd send them on their way. If you needed a couple of days' work done here on the ranch, you'd, you'd, you'd hire them for a couple of days. Nowadays, the people that are coming through, there's a guy in the front that's got a machine gun, then there's four or five guys with packs, and then there's a guy in the back that's got a machine gun. Hmm. You know, my cowboys don't carry guns anymore. You know, one of the part of the cowboy ethos is to have a, a gun in your scabbard and riding out there, and you know, and you, and and now and a guy with a gun thinks he's brave. He is brave. He's stupid, but he's brave. <laughs> so my guys don't carry guns anymore. Uh, and when they see these people coming through, they just turn around and go in a different direction. So what would you say to the folks who say? Well, yeah, the reason they're having to do all that is because the buildup has made it so much harder to cross, and therefore it's, it's cut down on illegal immigration. Well, the people that were looking for work, that were coming through looking for work, mm-hmm. they're not coming through anymore. Hmm. What's coming through now in incredible quantities is drugs. And, yeah. and the drug of choice, the number one drug, is heroin. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's what's coming across. Okay, mm-hmm. And the, the buildup... The, the $20 billion that we spent on these walls, the $94 billion that we have, the Homeland Security budget, has, has, not, has done not one single thing to stem the flow of drugs or the heroin epidemic that's happened in this country. Hmm. Okay? And, and the, the government, one of the reasons I was always a Republican, is the government figures if this plan fails, then we'll just do twice as much of the same plan. Hmm. You know? and, mm-hmm. and, and that approach is, is, is foolishness. Is, mm-hmm. is foolishness, and, and it hasn't worked. And, you know, uh, President Trump uh, has presented himself as, as a man that's going to fortify the border and, and, and make it uh, impermeable, and that's a bunch of nonsense. And, and the border is, is, is totally permeable, and, and you can go to the uh, Yamaha Corporation and you can buy yourself a little drone with a 60-pound payload, and you can fly across, what are you going to do, a 100-foot wall? I can fly 110-foot. Mm-hmm. I can fly across that wall. I can fly across that wall 16 times in an hour and do 16 drops. Of those 16 drops, 14 of them are dummies. Mm-hmm. Two of them are real. Mm-hmm. I know which two they are. Mm-hmm. With the miracle of GPS, I know exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the Homeland Security folks going to do? Mm-hmm. They, they, what they can do is nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we see... Uh, instead of dealing with the, the issues of migration, are economic issues. Mm-hmm. Okay, as a Republican, as a lifelong Republican, I would argue that having some uh, migration of low-wage folks is very necessary for this country. Mm-hmm. I go down to my supermarket and I want to buy blueberries. Mm-hmm. Well, I can buy them from Chile or I can buy them from Peru. I can't buy American blueberries because there's no one to pick them. There's no one to grow them here. Is that better for my country to be, to be sending them, my profits to Peru? Is it better for my health to be buying product that has not been inspected or not been grown according to American standards? Mm-hmm. Is it better for my conscience to be uh, supporting uh, an industry that's paying these people nothing versus paying people in this country uh, a, a living wage under living standards? Mm-hmm. To me, it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, let me ask you, though. Because just to play devil's advocate, sure thing. when people look at the fact that, that migration is slowed, one of the things they say is, well, look, that's because of the president's rhetoric and people know they're not going to be able to make it across. You th- you're saying that's not right at all. No, no, no. And, and, and you know, we, we built the wall, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and those same people would say, we don't have a wall. Right, right. And, 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 and we built the wall, and those same people would say, oh, no, there's a flood of illegals coming into this country. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're, they're not looking at 
the facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, the facts don't don't matter. You know, and and I'm not talking about you know Mr. Trump saying about his inauguration. Yeah, group. you're not talking about crowds or. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the on-the-ground reality, right. the kind of stuff that, that corporations base their decisions on. Yeah, when money's on the line, the yeah, data they, they use. That's right. And, and, I, and I think that if you dollarize something, if you look at something in terms of dollars and cents, it's, it's more difficult to hide the rabbit. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you know and, and, and if you look at, you know, look at illegal migration, okay? Uh-huh. What is the economic impact of illegal migration? Not the cost, not, you know, the, the competing arguments, well, they're a benefit, they're a detriment. No. How has the country been going during all the times that we've had these illegal migrants come in, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that you, you, let's start back in, in the 1930s mm-hmm. with Ellis Island. But if you don't want to go back then, let's go back to the 1980s. Mm-hmm. The fact is that this is an incredibly wealthy, incredibly prosperous nation, mm-hmm. okay? And the downturns that this nation has experienced, the mm-hmm. economic downturns, mm-hmm. not a one of them had to do with illegal migration. Mm-hmm. There's right. no one that says that the 2007, uh, whether it was a depression right. or, or whatever it was, was caused by illegal migrants. Right, okay? right. There's no one. I mean, that yeah. would be ridiculous, yeah. right? Yeah. Home mortgages, maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. But no one. What economic downturn has been caused by illegal migration? Mm-hmm. The closing of mining in West Virginia, was that because of illegal migrants? No. What, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. What is it that, that we're trying to prevent? Mm-hmm. Is it just a, 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 a principle? They can't come because they're not citizens? Is that what it's about? We don't care about economics anymore? We don't, because you can't dollarize that. Right. You know, I, I, I won't, you know, that statement, I'll, you know, I will pay millions in, in armies and not a penny in, uh, in tribute. Mm-hmm. That, you can't dollarize that argument. Mm-hmm. That, that is an emotional argument, and, mm-hmm. and you're going to have it with yourself. To manage those flows of people, to manage their expectations in a way that benefits us, uh-huh. okay, uh, it, it's much easier to do that uh, in a rational, programmatic way than to do it in an irrational, uh, aggressive, armed conflict sort of way. Yeah. What, what, what are these Border Patrol guys going to do? Are we going to be like in East Berlin? Are we going to start shooting people down with machine guns? Uh, is, is that what we're going to be doing? Is, is that what this is about? I worry that maybe it is. We as a nation have opted for a policy of kind of halfwayness. Yeah. You, know? The, you know, the communists in, in, in the, the East Germany, there was no halfwayness there. Right. There was machine gun nests, and, yeah. and you had, you know, three minutes to cross from one side to the mm-hmm. other if you had your papers, and mm-hmm. you better not do it in two and a half minutes, you better not do it in three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people were getting shot, mm-hmm. okay? Is that the, the, the inevitable, logical conclusion of what this is about? Hmm. Are we saying, is, is President Trump saying, we're going to mow them down as they come into this country? Is, is, is that hmm. what we're saying? What is our humanity? It ain't magic to put up a wall. It's, there's logical conclusions that you have to take it to if it's going to do what they say it's going to do. You got it. You got it. You hmm. know, and, and you, know, you, 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 were, you were in the military. Right. And, and one of the terrible issues, difficult uh-huh. issues for the military is uh-huh. that they were subject to political wishy-washiness. Hmm. And, that, you know, the military were told, well, you know, you want to take that 
that place, but you can't have any civilian casualties. Mm -hmm. And the soldiers were saying, hey, guys, you know, my, my, my bullets don't, don't know the difference yeah. between a casualty and a, and a, and a non-casualty, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, you know, if you're going to go to war, there are some logical conclusions yeah. that go with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and when we say we're, we're, we have a, 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 we're going to go to war on the border, mm -hmm. there are some, some, I think, some logical yeah. conclusions. But people don't want to think about it. And as an ex-army guy, yeah. you, you know that. News is coming at you fast these days. Yeah, I mean, now more than ever, it's really important to keep learning about what's happened in the world across a wide range of topics. Like, let's say you're a person with a really important job and you spend four to eight hours watching TV every day. <laughs> you know, maybe you dial back a couple of those hours and you spend them on the Great Courses Plus, which has a video option, which is just like watching TV, really. Just like it. Yeah, so you can learn from award-winning experts about anything that interests you, you know, politics, history, controversial topics like science. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can even, and I'm excited about this too, you can learn how to cook or take better pictures. And for me, uh, you know, for 18 years, you've been asking me to learn how to cook. Maybe maybe now I really will. I mean, you can make eggs. Yeah, and egg tacos. So that's, <laughs> that's two, two, things, which, two kinds of food. Yeah, so I can make <laughs> eggs and I can put them in a tortilla uh, with some uh, salsa. So maybe maybe I learned some more. Maybe I put some more stuff in the taco. Maybe you can make you know? different kinds of egg dishes. I don't know. Yeah, different kinds Fritatas. of tacos. Whatever that is. I don't know what that yeah, is. No, but it sounds delicious mm -hmm. and fancy. Uh, all right. So, you know, look, as a Majority 54 listener, you can start enjoying the Great Courses Plus for free. You know, one thing you could check out is this course, The Modern Political Tradition. It's a fascinating look into the way that political theorists over the last few centuries have approached the question of how a state is best governed. It examines fundamental notions like freedom and rights, things that are pretty relevant at the moment. So, you know, get started right now. Sign up at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash majority54. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash majority54. Soothe. You want to relieve stress in your life and the everyday pressures that you face? Soothe. It's an on-demand massage service that delivers a hand-selected, licensed, and experienced therapist to you in the comfort of your own home hotel, or office in as little as an hour. <laughs> they show up with everything. you got to say something else so they know you're not just like a, a body <laughs> like double. A I just wait. You point at me and I they go, just, just <laughs> Every time I point. Soothe. Yeah. You choose the kind of massage you want from Swedish to sports to deep tissue, and you can even opt in for a couple's massage. You set the length of the massage, and you get to pick the gender of your therapist. The best part is that they can earn over three and a half times what they would make at a spa. Book a massage at 10 p.m. or on a Wednesday or any time you want and get the best therapist from the Soothe Network. Soothe is in 50 cities, including most major U.S. cities— Soon. That's right. You book a massage as soon as today. I love the power I have. Our listeners. <laughs> My job's are, so easy. In <laughs> our listeners are getting a special offer that's going to get you $20 off your first massage when you use code 54. The code is easy. The massage is unbelievable. Use it. The name is cool. Just Soon. download. Just download Soothe. S-O-O-T-H-E in the iOS app store or... Google Play Store, and be sure to use our code 54 to get $20 off your first massage. Soothe. Spa quality massage. Anytime. Anywhere. 
So you have uh, your perspective on this. It's clearly a very strongly held one. The, when you talk to people who live around here who probably voted for President Trump and, and you know, may say they think what he's doing makes a lot of sense, how do those conversations go? If you talk to a lot of, of my colleagues in the, in the ranching world, mm-hmm. not all of them, mm-hmm. uh, I think that you would find that, that the, the preponderance of them mm-hmm. uh, would not view uh, the, the wall and, and the, the, the policies of fear mm-hmm. and, and, and loathing uh, that, that, that to me uh, are really contrary to what our nation stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I feel that, that they are, are blinded by, by fear. Mm-hmm. You know, you see guys with, with machine guns coming mm-hmm. across your property. Uh, one of the other tactics of the human traffickers is they'll set a fire uh, on your land mm-hmm. and everybody go to the fire and then they'll cross someplace mm-hmm. else. So they're seeing the consequences and they're saying, you know, the government needs to protect us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, that, that's a real shame because we, we are uh, an, an, an most independent of all Americans are, are the, the, the cattlemen and the ranchers mm-hmm. of, of the West, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and for us to turn to the government and think that the government back East mm-hmm. knows how to take care of us is, 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 is foolish and short-sighted. And it's based on on having a sense of fear. Well, what's interesting about that is, you know, I don't think you're saying that when you see somebody come into your property with machine guns or you see the smugglers, it's not like you're saying you're not afraid of that. You're saying that their response to the fear is not one that makes sense to you. That's right. It's not the safe response. And, and it's not, you know, if, if you make a decision based on fear, it's probably going to be the wrong decision down the right. road. I mean, unless your decision is to run, you know what I mean, or Mm -hmm. or, or to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. But in terms of a policy, Mm -hmm. a policy that's based on a reaction to fear Mm -hmm. is probably going to be a bad policy. So it sounds like it's kind of a struggle sometimes for you to get sort of your point of view across to some of the folks who live around here who uh, you feel like a lot of their view may be shaped by the fear that President Trump is pushing. So when you are able to get across to them, what is it that you say that tends to break through that? It's me agreeing with them. Okay. Me saying to them, look, I'm a lifelong Republican. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm, mm-hmm. I am not a tree hugger. I am not a vegetarian. <laughs> I'm not some crazy person telling you how to live your life. Mm-hmm. I respect you and I admire you. And I think that you're a man of principle. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that type of conversation, then we can talk about a single aspect, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, migrants coming across, you know, who are the people that, that, that you've seen coming across? Well, they're good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are good people, you know, and, and we need to have some kind of policy that will recognize that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's when I recognize their humanity and, and I respect them as human beings mm-hmm. that I can sometimes uh, uh, allow them to let their heart lead them instead of their Mm -hmm. fear. And when you say you agree with them, you don't mean you agree with them on their conclusion. You mean you connect with their motivation and you, you show, you're, you're showing empathy for it. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, a a conclusion 
is what comes after. Right. You, you don't know, need to start with the conclusion. You know, you don't start. And that's what happens is that you start with a conclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, weak on the wall or weak on the border. Right. Th- those are conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go back. Let's go back mm-hmm. and, and, and let's think about where we want to go to. Mm-hmm. Not not what we're saying, but what we want to go to. Mm-hmm. I, I want America to be a, a thriving nation. I want my grandkids to, to be proud of their country. We can agree on those fundamental goals. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. can agree on them. And, and, and we can agree on the circumstances. You know? mm-hmm. And I, I, might, I might disagree, but I'll, I'll, I'll let, in terms of their view of what's on the ground, sure. but I'll, I'll, I'll accept their, their perspective on what's on the ground. Mm-hmm. I won't say, no, that's not true. Then we don't get anywhere. I'll, I'll accept your, your premises. Your experience. And, and yeah, where you start from, mm-hmm. okay? And, 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 I'll, and I'll go over to your side and I'll say, okay, I'll, I'll put my arm around you and I'll look at the same horizon that you're looking at, mm-hmm. okay? So that then we can look at that horizon together, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I'm a man uh, of, of goodwill, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the fact that your mother wore fireman's boot to bed, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to see things, I'm going to try to see things through your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then instead of saying to them, okay, what you're telling me about the wall is invalid for this reason, you say, okay, I... I understand that that's been your experience. You know, they may tell you an anecdote, something that happened on their land. And then I'm guessing what you say is, now let me tell you about my experience. No, no. no? I okay. say, okay, that's your, your experience. You're, you're seeing uh-huh. these people coming through and you're seeing them uh, creating havoc and chaos. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what is it that, that you're afraid of? What is it that, that's driving you nuts right now? What mm-hmm. is it that you want? Mm-hmm. You know, not I want a wall, but I want... I want a better cattle market or I want, you know, let's talk about the real, what you want behind Mm -hmm. the slogans. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, and so that we can have a, you know, have a, have a conversation about what you want, Mm -hmm. because if you're not happy, you know, in a relationship, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be happy either. And it may be possible, may be that we're just going to have to agree to disagree and, and, you know, and, 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 and stay friends, you know, uh, but but if we're going to have a, a conversation, I I have to be able to come around the desk and sit next to you mm-hmm. and see the world the way you see mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to come around my side of the desk. Okay, right. I, I'm good with you not seeing the world the way I see it. How would the wall fortifying fortifying it even more, uh, or whatever it is they would do? How would that affect the economy here? In this region, well, our our economy, and it's a funny thing. Again, it's the law of unintended consequences. Uh, when uh, the the president was a candidate for presidency, he made a lot of comments about his views on on people from Mexico. Mm-hmm. I believe he called them murderers and rapists. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it was heard here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's that's how it was, it was heard where I'm from too. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, and that that's pretty much how it was heard, mm-hmm. and. When 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 the president was elected in in November, uh, almost yeah a year ago now, mm-hmm. um, what happened was that the Mexican peso, the Mexican currency, lost value. It lost overnight about twelve percent of its value. Mm-hmm. The peso was trading at. at 15 to 1, and it went up to about 1750 to 1. So it lost about 20% of its mm-hmm. value. Mm-hmm. That did two things, okay? First of all, it increased the cost of goods in the U.S. 
for Mexican folks coming into the U.S. by 15, 20 percent, mm-hmm. right off the bat. Mm-hmm. If you're earning in pesos and 100 pesos, instead of being worth 25 bucks, is worth 20 bucks, the stuff that you're buying is more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know? The other thing, it, so those folks stop coming into the U.S. to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you're talking about not illegal border crossings. No, no, you're these talking are, about. These are, the, 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 I'm sorry, the, the towns a, of Nogales, uh-huh. the city of Tucson, Arizona, which mm-hmm. is 60 miles north of us, 60% of its business is sales to people from Mexico. That's something it, I bet people do not know. No, it's Mexico is a huge trading partner of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and on the on the where I live basis, down here in retail world, they, they are essential for the economic well-being of the U.S. Mm-hmm. border region. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the town of Nogales, we live on trade from Mexico. We have a Home Depot. We have a Walmart. Do you think it's for a town of, of 25, 30,000 people? No. It's for a town of 350,000 people that's right there. That If you were looking at map, and you're looking at a photograph, you wouldn't be able to tell which part was Mexico and which part was the U.S. It's all one. Right. There's a street between them. And so that's the one consequence. Basically, this is a suburb of a big Mexican town. You got it. It's 5%. And, mm-hmm. and the, we have better water, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, the other consequence, uh, which again was an unintended consequence, is that you know, this, there's this industry that, that came up with the North American Free Trade Agreement, mm-hmm. NAFTA. Mm-hmm. And the industry is where you take uh, parts, components that are made in the U.S., and you ship them into Mexico, and you put them together in Mexico, and then you bring them back. And the advantage to the manufacturer is that, that they get to have low-cost labor to put these parts together. For instance, military harnesses. Uh, garage door openers, a lot of space-age stuff has to be put together by hand. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, the wage is about, uh, used to be about $65 a week mm-hmm. versus in the States, similar person's going to make that money in less than a day. Mm-hmm. So these mm-hmm. folks had the advantage. It created jobs in Mexico, low-wage jobs in Mexico. It created low-cost products for the American consumer and for American industry. Mm-hmm. So when Mr. Trump is, is elected and the peso, the Mexican currency, loses value, mm-hmm. the consequence of that is that the cost of labor to these plants goes down. Mm-hmm. And so instead of it hurting the assembly plant, this twin plant we call it here, this assembly plant industry, it improved it. And for the next six weeks following uh, the president's election, there was a, an additional production line added into the twin plants in Mexico. Wow. Today, Nogales, Mexico, Nogales, Sonora, has about a 5% unemployment. It is a booming industrial town. And we're sitting in a place with 18% and, unemployment. And, and we're, we're screwed, you know, to excuse their language. I don't no, know if you okay. can say screwed on a you podcast. Can, you can say screwed. Okay. <laughs> but, but, and and those, are, those are because um, the, our world and, and, and our government is relegated to 120-word commentary in mm-hmm. these little tweets, these little comments. Yeah. We're going to protect the border without thinking about what it means. Can you do it? 
Should you do it? What's best for America? There is no thought that goes into what's best for America. You know, you, I presume you're a Democrat. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm a Republican in my heart, even though I don't carry the card anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I need to talk to each other and and say, okay, let's agree that we want what's best for America. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm good with that. You're good with that? Yeah, yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's look at it piece by piece. Mm -hmm. Do I want to grow my veggies in the U.S. or do I want to grow them in Chile? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's, we'll have a conversation about it. Right. Uh, are, are these illegal folks taking $80,000, $70,000 living good, living wage jobs away from Americans? Let's look at the numbers. Yeah, okay? I haven't seen any of that. No, yeah. me neither. Right. Me neither. You go to any restaurant, I don't care, you know, from your home state, mm -hmm. from my home state, from New York City, you go into the kitchen and you look at the dishwashers mm -hmm. and they're illegal aliens, mm -hmm. at least around here in the city of Phoenix, they're all illegal aliens. Mm -hmm. Not because... These people are taking jobs from Americans, but because Americans don't have to have those jobs. Mm -hmm. What is our unemployment level rate in this country, in it's, the U.S.? Like 4%. 4%. What's the lowest it's ever been? I, yeah. I, I believe that the yeah. lowest it's ever been is about 3.2%. Probably during the war. And, 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 and that's the lowest. That's the mm -hmm. bottom. So we're talking about, you say it's 4% now? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about less than 1% unemployed people, okay? Mm -hmm. What we need in this country is not more crap jobs. We need people that can do these, these hot diggity dog, you know, fancy jobs like the guy that's doing the, the radio for this show and, and, the, and the guy that, that's putting mm -hmm. it on, uh, on the airwaves. Mm -hmm. Those jobs. Mm -hmm. now, the, the illegal people aren't taking those jobs, yeah. you yeah. know? And the government is using the illegal people as a scapegoat for their inability to, to train and provide the average American with good jobs. Yeah, I think you nail it right there. Yeah, right? We're, yeah, it, we're not it, living in the 1950s. Yeah. We're not living in the 60s and 70s where you could go to Detroit mm -hmm. and you could work in a car plant and, and make, you know, enough mm -hmm. money to support your family. Yeah. Where did the Japanese companies go to make their cars? Did they go to Detroit? Hell no. They went mm -hmm. to Tennessee. They went to places that had no union so they could pay less money. That's right. Okay? Mm -hmm. we, we, are, we are in a time of the future. People like myself, we're, uh, you know, we are dinosaurs. We're from a different era. Uh, but, but for my, my grandchildren, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't want my grandchildren looking for jobs as dishwashers. Right. I, I don't want my grandchildren picking uh, beans, mm -hmm. okay, or lettuce in the, in the Imperial Valley at 125 degrees. Mm -hmm. No, you know, and they don't want to do it either. But you're also, you also don't want your grandchildren to be uh, eating lettuce or beans that come from somewhere far away when they could be eating stuff that comes from here, no matter who, no matter who it is that's picking it. No kidding. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. And, and the other thing I don't want is I don't want my kids to live in a world of fear. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to think of this border the way I thought about it is a gateway, gateway of opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, I lawyered here in Nogales, and I lawyered in this little town, tiny town, and I was doing huge deals. What was I doing? Mexicans investing in the U.S. and Americans investing in Mexico. Hmm. In mining industry, cattle industry, agriculture, uh, buildings. This was a gateway, a border is a gateway. We think of a border as, oh man, this is my national sovereignty is based on this. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the biggest border in this country is that island off of New York City, Ellis Island, mm -hmm. where all those hundreds of thousands of people came through. And they came through, and what happened? 
This country boomed. Mm-hmm. This, this is the, the most powerful, most uh, economically in- incredible country in the world. Okay, mm-hmm. and it was all about being a gateway. Mm-hmm. You know, when 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 the Soviet Union went down, did it go down because we sent armies in there with tanks and rockets? Hell no, we sent rock and roll and blue jeans. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and those Russians, they said, "Hey, we want some of this. Yeah. We we want this life. This is awesome." Absolutely, we're a strong nation. We're a powerful, awesome nation. And when you when you hide your light. When you, you don't put your light up on the hillside, you know, and you stick it down in a little cave and you say, me, me, my, my, you put that light out, yeah. okay? Our, our light needs oxygen. It needs to be seen. It needs to be kick-ass out there. You know yeah. what I mean? My, my kids can compete with anybody. I can compete, you know? I'm not afraid of competition. Yeah. I, I, that's why I'm a, I'm a Republican. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want my government to take care of me. I want my government to give everybody a fair chance, and let's go for it. We got our Indochino shirt, and I have to tell you, it fits so much better than I even hoped for. Yeah, I walked out, and I said, I like had it on, and I, I said to you, I think this may be the best-fitting shirt I've ever had. And, <laughs> and then I instantly felt ridiculous because I was like, that's a line right out of the ad copy, I think. I mean, they know what they're doing when they're writing yeah. the ad copy but and it, when they're making the shirts. It is legit a good shirt. Legit. That's why they've been featured in major publications, including GQ, Forbes, and Fast Company. And they're now the largest made-to-measure menswear company. Here's how it works. Visit a showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. You pick your fabric. You choose your customizations. You can even get your initials embroidered on your sleeve. That's pretty uptown. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Submit your measurements. It's really easy. They show you all the videos how to do it. And then you place your order and you wait for it to arrive in just a few weeks. I remember during your first campaign, you only had one suit. Mm-hmm, brown and, suit. <laughs> and whenever we made flyers, it looked silly for you to be wearing the one suit. In like every picture. Because we only had the one photo of you in the one suit. <laughs> so I used Photoshop to change the color so that it looked like you had a blue suit. Yeah, same cut. Fit the exact same way. <laughs> but if only there was Indochino. So that for three fifty nine, you can get an amazingly fitting suit. Not that that one was. Uh, it was not the best. <laughs> but if only that was an option at that time. So anybody running for state rep, please opt for the Indochino suit. This <laughs> week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just three fifty nine at Indochino.com when entering 5-4 at checkout. That's a 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. I love it when shipping is free. It's like they appreciate you, you know, just a little something. Like a little hug? Just a little, just, you're welcome, you know? <laughs> We're in it with you. That's <laughs> Indochino.com, promo code 54 for any premium suit for just $3.59 and free shipping. Incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. Indochino. Ah, oh, Indochinos, what they say. <laughs> <laughs> It was a real treat to get to know Tony and spend some time with him on his ranch. I really appreciate him doing this with us. All right, we all know the opposing argument here, so I've decided to spare you the clip of Ann Coulter that we had keyed up. You're welcome. The argument is just that we got to build a wall to get serious about border security. So first, I bring up the costs. We know that they vastly underestimated the amount that it's going to cost to build the wall. But Tony's story is important because it shows the hidden costs of acquiring private property with taxpayer dollars. Given the story that Tony told about his own bout with the Department of Homeland Security, imagine the amount of money and time it'll take to get a massive wall built on every property down there. 
a whole cottage industry of lawyers is just salivating, ready to make millions if the government actually goes forward with this thing. Tony actually has a relatively small portion of his ranch that's right on the border, and he spent months in court and ended up with $180,000 paid to him by the government. And that wasn't even for a wall. That was for one observation tower to sit on one piece of his property. When they talk about the cost, we know they're underestimating it. But it's not just building the wall. It's fighting with people in court and then buying the land from those people so you can build the wall in the first place. Also, when you're talking about all this with somebody, I think it's good to ask, you know, what else can we use this money for? Because we could use this money to build roads and bridges and highways right in your community instead of on private property along the border. And by the way, there's already a wall that's 700 miles long. Tony talked about this. There was a wall before that one, too. This is the third wall that's been built. It's not like there's no wall down there, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yes, we do want to get our border under control and make our immigration policy thoughtful and purposeful and have it make some dang sense, but building a fourth wall ain't going to do that. As for the areas where you can't build a wall, and there are plenty of those, are we going to patrol these mountains on foot? How big of a force are we going to put down in those mountains? Are we reactivating the military draft for this? When you get a chance, go to the Majority 54 Twitter feed and check out the video that we shot of Tony and me at the existing border wall. It's less than three minutes long, and Tony, who's not a young guy, climbed around on the wall to demonstrate just how truly absurd Trump's plan really is. Basically, Tony demonstrated that you can build all the walls you want, but cliffs and rivers and mountains don't care about what the wall wants. So whatever kind of wall they choose, it'll still be impossible to build it over the terrain that makes the difference. Look, Tony's right. This is about fear. When people are afraid, they make bad decisions. With all the rhetoric from the president and the way the right-wing media covers immigration, have some understanding that it's left some people afraid. But one way to approach this is to point out that we were all afraid, for instance, after 9-11. And then, out of fear, our leaders went desperately searching for a solution and settled on the wrong one when they invaded the wrong country and tragically lost thousands of brave Americans in the process. It also, like with the wall, had enormous financial costs to our country. The wall is the wrong solution. At this point, We've mostly come to agree as a nation that invading Iraq was a giant mistake and one of the worst decisions America's made. We should be mindful of making decisions like this from a place of fear. As Tony said, we're a strong nation. We're a powerful, awesome nation. One of the things I learned in the military is the importance of being able to think while afraid. If you just act out of fear, you make mistakes. President Trump's border wall would be that type of mistake. So when you have a conversation about this, do what Tony does and talk about what it is that people are trying to accomplish by building the wall. Then you can focus the conversation on all the other ways that we might achieve that goal more effectively than a wall built to honor the memory of three previous walls. Thanks again for listening. Now, when I was with Tony, I set up on his phone for him how he can listen to a podcast. Hopefully that works. I also asked him if he used social media. He said he does not. So rather than share with you his Twitter handle, I'll just tell you that if you tweet your favorite parts of the episode, I promise to try and share as many of them with Tony as I possibly can. And thanks so much for rating Majority 54 and for writing your reviews in the iTunes store. 
Not only are the reviews helping people decide to listen to the show, but they help me learn what's working and what's not. So please keep it up and know that I'm sincerely grateful for each and every comment. I'm Jason Kander. This is Majority 54. Remember, we all have a platform. Make sure to use yours today. Talk to you soon. Hi, listeners. It's Robbie with a question for you. What if instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're on the cusp of a better world? For that answer, I recommend listening to the What Could Go Right podcast. Each week, Progress Network founders Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva Lucas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from elections to climate change, and make the case for a brighter future with guests like Harvard Professor Arthur C. Brooks and California State Senator Robert Hertzberg. Progress is on the way. Find out on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts.